We are each of us a member of a complicated, expansive web. Like a fly, we are caught in its sticky filaments. And each objection we raise with wiggling thorax and flutters of useless wings reverberate through all threads, are felt in the farthest corners. You know, here's an example. Last week, Congregant Justine Diego Wozniak was doing some home repairs, and she got distracted by a cockroach. It was on her shoulder. Oh, yuck! And wouldn't you know it, she drilled a number 12 size screw into the palm of her hand. Youch! Instead of hanging a curtain rod, she hung her own dang mitt. Well, her actions spread through the community. Her mother, a wilting amnesiac, was never picked up from her doctor's appointment. The doctor had to lock the mother inside the building all night. The mother found the stock of anti-venom and in a fit swallowed each vial a gulp gulp. So yesterday, when snakes overran the story preschool and did leave pairs of weeping puncture wounds in all our wailing tots, whose fault was it we had no anti-venom for the smallest congregants? That's right. That gosh darn roach. <laughs> but it was Justine Diego Wozniak who really paid the price. Oh, how the web of story reaches, and what duty we might have to decipher its weaving so the story might inflict punishment most profound. Justine is still dangling by her paw. Oh, get me out of here! <laughs> because, as we say, the story must be told. And now, a psalm from the wisest of the story family. Ooh, Sister Callista. Chicken, cow, lamb, fish. Laundry, toothpaste, dish detergent, deodorant. Dress shirts, pressed pants, belts, shoes. I have forsaken these. I have forsaken the animals I eat. I have forsaken cleanliness. I have forsaken clothes. I have decided to live in filth. If I eat, it will be dirt, broken glass, or filth entire. If I sneeze, I will do so into my hands. If I rip my clothes, I will not tailor them. I will learn the way of the bug. I will speak the words of the bug. I will become the king of the bugs. It will require discipline, understanding, leadership. The bugs will see me as their god. Humans will see me as the bug king. I am the bug king. This is the domain. Grease between my teeth, a layer of filth my clothes. I am the Bug King. I am the Bug King. <laughs> well, I know we all can relate to that. Please enjoy now the first part of a story. Yeah, just part one. You have to show up next week to finish it. Yeah, you better listen. Huh. 
That's what our dearest preacher, Jackie Zabrowski, does demand. And who are we to deny her? Listen, true! A reading from the Quarterly Magazine of Story, written by Wikipedia Coleslaw, titled The Smallest Beetle or Brutal Beetle Beatdown, Part 1. The nine-tone beetle mounted the fax machine and stood so her antenna scraped the ceiling. She folded her legs together in the first position, a jet-black L of gleaming exoskeleton. The sensitive hairs on her leg, under the broken ceremonial wristwatch, began to itch. The beetle sawed her four legs together once, twice, then again and again until the hairs sang with screeching vibrancy. The tone of beginning. Gold in the rising sun, the last standing skyscraper hummed with clicks, hisses, and the percussive clatter of exoskeletons. In the 30th floor office, white-collar beetles awoke. They stretched weary hind legs, crawled from under their desks, and began their toil. HR beetles with mandibles slotted for file folders passed out morning pages. Accountant beetles punched dead calculators with mandibles dotted in stony arthritic fingers. They hissed figures to marketing beetles who smeared paper with organic ink they alone produced. Behind closed doors, giant executive beetles evolved for competitive height and girth. Did nothing. Intern beetles, barely two feet tall, evolved for nothing, did the rest. In the trash dune outside the President Beetle's office, the two tallest interns harassed their inferiors. The tiniest of the 13 species in the office, the interns enforced the height rule most harshly. The tallest intern inspected the beetles sifting through the President's daily waste. He chose a victim. The beetle hissed through his spiracles, the freckles of breathing pores in his exoskeleton. The chosen beetle froze, antenna quivering. The second tallest yanked her from the pile, prodding her with sharp tarsal claws until she complied. The challenger clacked his mandibles, then reared back. With difficulty, he stood on his hind legs, taking the stance of challenge. The victim understood her part. Shaking, she rose to her hind legs at once. The taller beetle thrust forward and it began. The dance of measurement. Slider beetles drummed legs to thorax in turbulent applause. The competing beetles hammered into each other, thrusting hind legs so they stood taller and taller until the sound stopped. The taller beetle was two foot five. Clack, he rapped on the other's thorax. Clack! His victim stood as tall as she could. But it wasn't enough. She was two foot four. The victor squealed. He cracked the inferior on her head with a mandible, a display of utter humiliation. And she fell back, legs folded over her belly in surrender. The smaller beetle swelled with hisses of sport and excitement. The victor helped himself to the loser's spoils. Twelve empty coffee pods, a three-ring binder fadingly titled Scrum, half a table leg she had already begun to eat, 
The Hype Patrol beat their chests with bravado. The tallest barked, demanding a new victim. Hidden inside the third drawer of a rusted file cabinet, the smallest beetle in the building imagined her own death. She was an intern, but even among them, she was squat. She pictured the drawer opening, the sudden light. They would hurt her. She scratched a claw over the bandaged wound on her thorax. The patrol might kill her this time, eat her, or worse, take the object. She had found her beautiful prize at Ninth Tone the last day. It was hidden beneath a ribcage in the trash dune. Had one of the ancients died to protect it? She could imagine why. The moment she saw it, the smallest was lost in its orange gleam. She hesitated to even look upon it, so fragile, like a glance could shatter it. It was a vessel of some kind, with a wide, hollow mouth. She reached inside it, beautiful, smooth, whole. In that instant of touch, she knew the stupor of love. The smallest had wrapped the object in a collection of coffee filters and carried it down the dune. Panic overwhelmed her at the thought of carrying it home. Beetles would be waiting, eager to steal the day's discoveries. She found a file cabinet and stayed the night there. She unwrapped the object, absorbed its glow all night. Struck as she was, there was something in the beauty of her prize that frightened her. A tenebrous shape reflecting in its surface she could see but not discern. The smallest now watched the patrol leave the trash dune for the mating cubicles. She wrapped the filters tightly around the object, secured it between her middle legs, and pulled the drawer open. No beetle saw. The smallest wobbled along the ground to join the inter-office traffic. She would take the object to the hole in the wall behind the Snapple machine, the one place in the building that was hers. Though only a few turns of office labyrinth away, The value of the prize made it seem impossibly far. She quietly hissed a warning tone to herself and joined the flow of courier beetles carting paper to the birthing pits. She rounded the first turn towards home, approached the second, then the traffic came to a halt. Hisses sounded ahead. The smallest felt the crowd grow irritated. Larger beetles loomed behind the smallest, hissing deep, warbling tones. She could feel their compound eyes. A hairy foreleg brushed against her. The smallest darted from the line. She took a broken glass path between rattling cubicles of sales beetles. She had never walked through here without a whole cluster of interns. She would have to be quick. Running past the cubicles, she saw beetles nearly four feet tall hissing into broken phones their forelegs alone could grip. The smallest saw the Snapple machine when a shrill hiss stopped her heart chambers. A supervisor beetle accused, stepping in between the smallest and the exit. What was an intern doing here alone? The smallest cowered, trying to obscure the package. He's scathed, poking the prize harshly with a worrying clink. The smallest froze. The supervisor beetle spun her around and saw the bandaged gash on the beetle's wounded thorax. She had patched it with a mouse pad and saliva, 
a crafty little bug. In a manner both cruel and bored, he poked a claw directly into the wound. The smallest beetle recoiled in pain, making a grub-like whine. Her instinct was to flee, now, but the manager entwined her hind leg between his mandibles and flipped her onto her back. He pulled the bundle from her grasp. The smallest could not help what happened then. Her feelers scraped together to sing a lonesome sound, a warbling hollow song beetles only made in true desolation. It drew a crowd. Beetles popped up from cubicles, ink dripping from feelers, delight twitching in their antenna. Slowly, she heard hissed bursts of staccato triplets, the cruel laugh of a beetle. It swelled around her. Ratata! Ratata! As the supervisor examined the bundle of coffee filters, the smallest saw a looming figure come from behind them. The smallest had never felt so small. It was a giant vice president beetle, metallic blue exoskeleton, tatters of a black turtleneck stretched around its swollen head. Yes, the VP asked. The supervisor hid his disappointment. He hadn't even unwrapped it yet. His appears, the superior beetle commanded. The lesser beetle followed the order and handed the bundle over. The VP took the package and immediately began to rip. The smallest again imagined her demise. A beetle that big could tear her apart like a napkin. She looked up just when the VP deigned to glance down at her. She was a pathetic thing. He tore the final coffee filter free. An unholy glow filled the room. The vice president gasp-hissed. It was almost blinding. Before his eyes, with not a chip or a crack to be found, was a perfect porcelain mug. On the side, a long-dead feline bemoaned the first day of the work week, eyes half-lidded in cat stupefaction. Most everything the beetles discovered from the age of mammals was in shards. A pristine piece of office ware could earn a beetle a whole year's worth of paper, maybe two. A silent, awestruck reverence fell upon the crowd. The smallest now felt stupid to believe the prize could ever be hers. She should have never left the file cabinet, starved inside it, if it meant keeping the mug, the mug of Garfield. The VP hissed in delight, hugging the porcelain beauty to his chest. Other beetles ooed and odd and appropriate hisses, the jealousy so thick it could congeal. The smallest beetle watched him parade with her mug, each gleeful sound grating on her antenna. But hisses traveled fast in the office. Down the hall, the smallest heard the unmistakable sound of the President Beetle's door swinging open. Shattered as she was, the smallest knew relief. Even a beetle as big as the Vice President could get his. The President Beetle was the rarest of the office species. Unlike other beetles, she walked on two hind legs at all times, four legs free for noble work and luxury. Towering and swollen, balance was hard to maintain, so a team of eight secretary beetles, each no more than two foot nine, supported her. Wearing a motley of neckties and the remains of a flea zip-up, she roared from silver spiracles and clacked her mandibles. 
The secretary scattered away. They had seen larger bugs crushed by the dance. The president had to do this alone. In a way, the vice president should have been honored. The president almost never danced anymore. The mug clasped in the VP's mandible was worthy. Any beetle could tell. The vice president examined his options. Could he really win? Staring into the orange glow, he oddly didn't care. If he had to, he would die for the mug. Holding the prize tight in his mandibles, he pushed with his forelegs and segment by segment rose to his full height. The eager crowd kicked the smallest away. A symphony of clacks and clicks shook the very foundation of the building. The dance began. The vice president beat his legs on the thorax of the president. The president beetle shoved him back at once and swiped his chest with claws specially evolved to shred paperwork. They circled one another, banging counter rhythms onto the other's thorax, and then the percussion synchronized. Clack! Click! Clack! Click a clack! Clack! In unison, their hind legs began pumping higher and higher lower and higher and higher the legs pumped. The smaller beetles had forgotten just how tall the president was, and seeing the underside of the beetles' mandibles, so too had the VP. She wasn't just four foot seven, she was four foot seven and a half. The smallest retreated to the corner. She climbed a stack of shattered computer monitors just above the heads of the onlookers. She could see the gleam of the holy orange mug. And the top of the VP, his antenna drooped in humiliation. A tornado of hisses burst forth as the victor rose minutely above the loser. The president beat the lowly beetle on the top of his head with a shaming mandible, and he fell backward, height vanquished. Like dying, he folded his legs over his belly. The president beetle clasped the bartering token, the mug of Garfield, and pulled it from his mandible. She pulled, but it wouldn't give. The smallest derided the fool. The VP still held onto the mug. She had a strange thought. Did the VP love the mug more than the smallest? The onlookers hissed in vitriol. The president beetle twitched her mandibles. This act of insurrection could not stand. She ordered her staff. Secretary Beetles ran to each side of the VP and held his legs down. He squirmed, but could not flee. The President Beetle raised the giant hind leg high in the air. Then she crashed her claw down over the lowly VP's right hind leg. She did not stop. The VP hissed senseless from all spiracles, like a sandstorm dying. The Beetles clacked in mocking applause and laughter. Finally, the exoskeleton broke on the abdomen in a grisly crack. The leg was gone. It disappeared over the heads of beetles fighting to eat it. The VP hissed low, pathetic croaks. Small as the smallest was, she pitied him. The exoskeleton could not heal a wound like that. The president made one final whistling hiss and retreated to her office swaying under the stabilizing pokes of her secretaries. The smallest watch as the mug of Garfield was stolen down the hall and locked inside the immense corner office. <sighs>
she wished she had never found it. The beetles all disappeared, but the VP stayed where he was. Though in agony, he did not realize his leg was truly gone. The embarrassment, the defeat, that was what tormented him. He was not the kind of beetle to challenge a president beetle. What had gone wrong? Something had possessed him, he reflected. The porcelain glow. It was then he remembered he was broken. In a hiss of panic, the VP investigated the wound. The leg had been torn off, taking with it the hard chitin of the surrounding shell in painful tears. Fractures like fault lines zigzagged up the ventral plate, cracked and weeping. It dawned on him that he could die. Though he didn't mean to, he began to whine. He heard someone whistle softly. The smallest beetle took three careful steps forward. The VP wrenched away. He couldn't look at her. Small as she was, he thought she too had come to mock him. He winced as her foreleg gently patted the curve of his electric blue shell. He wheezed at her. He flailed a foreleg, trying to warn her away. She stepped back. The smallest wasn't sure why she was attempting to help this spiteful beetle. Yet, for all the loss she felt without the mug, it had taken more from him. He had barely known it for a minute. She had spent a whole night with it. What's more, she could help him. She hissed again, this time directing the VP's eyes to her side. The VP went quiet at the sight of the mouse pad, confused until she peeled it back. She had a thick crack in her exoskeleton, but she was alive. With a heavy glop of saliva in her tarsal claw, she wet the pad and sealed it back in place. The VP was silent for once. The certainty of death began to diminish. The smallest beetle helped him to his tarsals, what ones he had left. She led him back to the hole behind the Snapple machine, realizing that, in the end, she was bringing something home. Beetles saw the unusual pair and clacked their abdomens in mockery, whistling suggestively. The VP whined as quietly as he could and wondered why the smallest beetle did not notice the barrage of cruelty. He did not realize she was used to it. The hole behind the Snapple machine led to a three-foot gap between the computer room and electrical closet. A bed of ragged insulation occupied the middle, and in the back, a toilet pile of paper currency. Along the walls were collections of novel trash, spit glued in place, a melted replica of the Eiffel Tower, half a bicycle helmet, three laminated restaurant charts of the Heimlich Maneuver. The VP Beetle was dismayed. He slept in his own office any night he didn't spend in the mating cubicles. He had everything he could need in there. A comfortable bed of shredded magazines, sweet-smelling plastics, a four-piece set of delicious chairs. Most of all, it smelled like his pheromones. This place reeked of the smallest beetle, a smell he associated with being small. It disgusted him. Yet, he might as well reek of something so small. He'd be lucky if an executive didn't try to eat him, leaking and broken as he was. The smallest beetle searched through her personal debris and came back with a mouse pad. She held it in place over the wound and clicked her mandibles in disapproval. 
She'd need two mouse pads for an injury this big. Beneath the crack, she could see darkly into his exoskeleton, the red membranes and tight weave of muscles. And yet, if she looked below into the giant abdomen, it almost looked empty. This was not unusual. Beetles of his size, the kind that could compete vertically, stretch and bulked up before molts. The size wasn't exactly natural. Though an executive might have a boulderous exoskeleton, inside was a gooey paste of hemolymph and unrefined membranes. Wasted empty space. The VP hissed briefly as saliva soaked into his wound. The smallest had found the second mouse pad and applied both across the fissure. Hiss, hiss, hiss. The VP hissed to himself in shame. Rooming with an intern. Could life be any worse? The smallest beetle watched the VP suffer not so silently and hid her offense. Ten minutes of living in her plebeian state and he was a blubbering mess. This was her every day. Why had she helped him? She was disgusted at both her rude guest and her weakness for taking him on. She made to leave when the VP whistled like she was a servant. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. He said, smacking his belly to carry the point. What? Was she going to let him starve? The smallest would not admit how much the prospect tempted her. She returned to the trash dune to scour for paper, wood, anything, when the nine-tone beetle sang the fourth tone. Fellow interns barely noticed the smallest had even left, and it astounded her that this was still the same day. It took until the ninth tone, but finally the smallest had gathered enough debris to feed two beetles. Well two beetles her size. Other interns mocked her load. What? Was she hoping to bulk up? Good luck! But she made it past them without a scene. Her tarsals were sore, her feelers twitching, and the heavy load didn't help. Yes. She sighed as she crawled through the hole behind the Snapple machine. She dumped the load A soggy mess of pornography, a crushed wicker basket, an assortment of human teeth, and waited for the VP beetle to whine at her entrance. He made no sound as she entered, not a peep as she dropped her haul to the floor. The smallest looked up and saw the beetle was not moving. Yes? She asked. Nothing. She walked over and saw the beetle's remaining legs curled in over his chest. Right as she feared the worst, he rattled with a deathly tremor, a pathetic hiss escaping his spiracles. She held a foreleg over his feelers. They were dry, cracking. The smallest beetle pulled back the mouse pads and gagged at the stench. The exoskeleton around the hole was newly cracked, dying. The VP beetle whined and tried to itch the wound. The smallest looked into the wound. The dead Kaitlin would have to be cleared away. She pulled the melted Eiffel Tower from the wall. She put a claw to the beetle's thorax and hissed a warning. Hold still. She could not bring herself to hiss the next words. This is going to hurt. The smallest began to scrape at the dying exoskeleton, and the vice president beetle hissed like a kettle. Yet he did not stop the smallest. And when she finished... He did something strange before the pain knocked him unconscious. He thanked her. The story must be told. So
Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mouse pads can heal most any wound. Do not forget! Yes, our bug brethren have their own stratum. And they are not so removed from our own. A bug flapping in one corner of our immense environment can reverberate through our own wicked strands. Is a bug your king? Is a bug the victor over your body when it ultimately lies down and never gets up? You betcha. Bugs will rule us all, so worship a bug or two. In our web of interconnections, they truly are superior beings. Listening to the story must be told, and I was the original singer of The Counting Crows. We're happy to be hosted on the Last Podcast Network, lastpodcastnetwork.com. I wrote hit songs like Don't Sniff the Sinsin and Mr. Jones and Me. We are on Twitter at TSMBTPod, at PSTRAndrew, at Our Brother Reed, at Sister Callista. Those are our handles on Instagram as well. Check us out on Facebook. In our bios, you're going to find a link to buy one of our brand new shirts, a Crow Crow a t-shirt. Plump on it. And guess what, you know? The other crows loved me. They'd go, squawk, squawk, Rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud anywhere. You can get podcasts and tell your friends about us. Rink, rink. Go to posteverythingproductions.com because this has been a Post Everything Productions production. And you can find us at youtube.com slash the story must be told. You'll find a lot of free videos. I bet you didn't know they existed. Caw, caw. Crow, crow, Mr. Jones. Crow, crow, you're a coward true. shit yeah every animal is gonna get killed but the deer and that just was like eight extra pages the story must be told this show is made possible by listeners like you thanks to our ad sponsors you can support our shows by supporting them for more shows like the one you just listened to go to lastpodcastnetwork.com